I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And a happy Friday to all you podcasters in the present. A happy whatever day it is to you if you're listening in the future. Welcome back to the Heritage Radio Network Week in Review. If you've listened before, then you know my name is Jack Inslee. I'm the executive producer here at Heritage Radio Network. And you would think that I'm joined by Aaron Fairbanks, our executive director, but I am not. We have a special guest co-host in the studio right now. And it's not Aaron Fairbanks, it's Sarah McKean. How's it going, Sarah? What's up, Jack? How's it going? She is our associate producer. That's what I'm going to call you right now. <laughs> you are the associate producer. Perfect. Here. I'll put that on my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. ASAP. You can do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's been working with us for, oh, how long? Like the past four months? Or is yeah, it like time Yeah, I think telling? like end of January-ish. Very cool. Um, flying. Well, why don't you introduce yourselves to the listeners this way? What's what's some of the coolest stuff you've done here at Heritage so far? I think working on this podcast, this has been my favorite so far. I love being in the studio with you guys on Fridays, um, doing the research for this podcast and then doing the write-up for the website. It's been really enjoyable. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm Sarah- super excited for Bonnaroo. That's right. Can't even deny that. I was gonna. I was gonna break that. Sarah will yeah. be joining us at Bonnaroo um, for all of our incredible panels that we'll be putting together, and she's also part of the the real magic behind this show. So if you're visiting the website and you're checking out all those additional resources, Sarah's behind all of that. She's also doing great research for Aaron and I. So we sound smarter than we are. <laughs> um, so we really appreciate that, and uh, happy to have you on the show. Yeah, I will. I will blow you up and tell everybody that this is like really your first time on mic, but. Yeah, I no, mean, no I, pressure. I, hey, I did those recordings the other day. Come on. Yeah, we did do some test recordings. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll start the show the same way we usually do. And again, if this is your first time listening, what we do on the week in review is we distill the uh, the week of programming here at Heritage Radio Network into a short, digestible format, somewhere around the 25 to 30 minute range. And what we like to do is start off with our last great bite that we ate. And uh, I'll let you kick it off, Sarah. All right. So I was thinking about this last night. I don't think I've really eaten any good food since last Friday at no, the Battle on. of the Chicken Biscuits. Come on. They were out of control. Um, so really nothing's compared to that since we were down in the East Village at um, Root and Bone for the Battle of the Chicken Biscuits, where it was a face-off between the chefs at Root and Bone and then some chefs who came in from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I mean, I preferred Root and Bone. I kind of feel bad about that. See, I preferred the Carolina one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all the all the southern, Southerners we were with, they were Carolina all the way. But I don't know. Something about the root and bone. Maybe it's because I can go back. I can go back and get that. So I was like, I need to like mm, this one. That's a fair point. We but, do need to work on your frequency of great bites, though. I know. I know. I, I think this week I was just too swamped. But I'll work on it. <laughs> well, my, my last great bite, again, is it's like last week, a real buzzer beater. Um, what did I say? Last week I made it into uh, Toto Ramen like right before it closed, right, like right, five right. minutes. Yeah. yeah, last night I made it into Pock Pock like five minutes before oh, your it closed. your favorite, yeah. Yes, my favorite. It remains number one. I did talk a big game on foreign correspondents, Thai food in Houston, and I won't take anything away from them, but this was a real reminder of who's, who's the champ when it comes to Thai food. Um, the papaya salad 
you know, a very simple dish, the papaya salad. It's a great way. I love like measuring um, a Thai restaurant by its papaya salad. That's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to do it. And Pak Pak's out of this world. Right. And then I had a boar shoulder dish. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was great. Um, and, and shout out to Kelly, who is a, also works at the Roberta's takeout here, uh, the takeout space here. And, um, she, it turns out she works at Pock Pock. So it was really lovely to see her. So that was, that was my great bite of the week. And, uh, with that, we will move into the studio to listen to some clips from this week of programming at Heritage Radio Network. Such a great week in the studio. Even though we're technically on break, the new Heritage Radio Network season does kick off on Sunday, but we we had a few shows come in this week, and uh, it's always nice to keep the lifeline in the studio alive. And Sarah, on cooking issues uh, this week, I know you must struggle with this all the time. You know, how how do you deep fry your home deep fryer successfully without cheese leaking out? Like deep fried everything. Yeah, right? I mean, all of us with these deep fryers at home, we, 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 we need advice. Uh, so Dave <laughs> took a caller question um, about deep frying, what, cheese, I guess. Um, yeah. It was like a huge, like, six-gallon outdoor deep fryer, and these people were yeah. deep frying everything, including cheese. Yeah, let's, let's take a little peek into to what that exchange was like. The little monster could handle every freaking thing we threw at it, and we literally could not keep up with battering and chucking all manner of food into it due to the high heat capacity and recovery. By the way, I did your uh, take a whole chicken, break it down, and circulate it two different temperatures with deboned meat glued thighs rolled up in their own skin and drumsticks deboned by snipping the tendons and popping the thing out with the skin still intact. Incredible. Good. Well, I'm glad people are still using that technique. I love that technique. I like fried chicken, as we've mentioned before. The only thing that didn't work from a functional standpoint, there were a few flavor disasters, were battered chicken. Cheese sticks. When you say battered cheese sticks, do you think of like cheese sticks that have taken a beating, or you think of battered as a Nastasia? And that's why I love Nastasia because she thinks about like those cheese sticks taking a freaking beating, whereas like most people would think like be- breaded, right. right? Right, Jack? Right. Most people would think breaded. Okay. I think he's gone. He's yeah. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, right. Uh, we tried a smoked gouda, and uh, you like smoked gouda, Stas? Not really. Really? Do you? Yeah. I grew up eating it. You know, like, I grew up getting it in all those, like, 1970s, like, cheese baskets. Mm-hmm. I like, so I, I grew up liking any kind of smoked cheese. God, Nastasia hates literally everything. It's unreal. I feel like that's the best part of cooking issues. It's just the banter between Dave being an erratic genius and then Nastasia just not caring. Yeah. Complete <laughs> apathy. Yeah. She doesn't like biscuits. <laughs> Just does, like no, just I won't. I, and her no. tone is so flat; it's amazing. There, the juxtaposition is out of control. Yeah, you would think that that's an act, um, but I can tell you firsthand that it is most certainly not. <laughs> if anything, it gets more intense off air. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's a small little sampling of cooking issues. Honestly, it's got to be my favorite show in the network. I'm not even just saying that because I get to chime in all the time, but uh, it's it's a real blast. That guy could go for hours exactly. and hours and hours if we let him. We, yeah. We literally have to cut him off like a, like an Academy Awards speech or something. We got to just like bring music up at the end. Um, and uh, you'll be hearing more of cooking issues uh, in, the, in the coming weeks on Heritage Radio Network. We'll be promoting Dave's show on other shows. So get ready for a whole lot of Dave Arnold. Um, shifting gears a little bit, though, to cutting the curd. Um, 
a, a really nice, I think, a really nice story on this week's episode of Cutting the Curd. We had uh, Redwood Hill Farm on the program, and uh, Jennifer Bice took over the company from her parents in 1978. Uh, they, they started in 1968. And um, she has decided to retire. So a, a small cheesemaker here in Sonoma County, California, deciding to retire and sell the dairy company to Emmy on December 1st of uh, 2015. So really a, a story here about small farm, small company, you know, selling to a larger company. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a second, but let's listen to uh, Jennifer herself here on Cutting the Curd. Well, I think part of it is um, what you really want for your business. Um, and what I wanted was it to continue on with the same values. Um, for instance, we really rank sustainability high. Our farm is 100% solar powered in our creamery. Uh, we have over two acres of roof space uh, with over 2,500 panels. Uh, providing 85% solar power. Well, yes, it, that is beneficial in the long run, but it's an issue that shows that um, we're looking at really the good for the environment, the people, the planet. And to me, that was the strong area um, in Emmy's um, benefit is that they're looking at the long term and I think, to your point, Deborah, they really do appreciate, uh, because they are dairy farmers at heart, they do appreciate the quality, they do appreciate um, how an uh, animals are cared for and the products are made. And um, good succession plans are really hard to come up with because, you know, my company, it seems big to me, but... You know, it's really a small company in the scheme of... So what do you make of that, Sarah? You know, it's always tough when you see a small company, especially a farm, go under, I guess, more corporate control. But I think that what Jennifer is saying here is that Emmy aligns with the ideal that she's laid out for her farm. And she wants to retire. Like, you gotta, you got to feel for that. Um and so it makes sense. I mean, Emmy recently acquired Cypress Grove as well, which is another California creamery. Like, they make the Humboldt Fog cheese. They make some really good cheese. Um, and so it, it's a shame in some respect, but it's her life. She's going to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's just part of it. And uh, I will say I did visit Emmy Roth in um, in Madison, well, outside of Madison, Wisconsin, when I went on a cheese tour. And it's funny, we visited a whole bunch of really small cheese-making facilities, mm -hmm. very like mom and pop, uh, doing yeah. one or two cheeses. And then you visit Emmy Roth, and it's a very, very large place and a very right. corporate atmosphere but it really didn't take anything away from their practices like you see they're doing the same great things that a lot of the small cheese makers are doing and it's it's not quite the evil empire that you would think just based on its size right um, and that it was an important lesson i think for all of us on the tour where you're like oh wow you know it might look this way because it's so big but uh they've got a lot of the same values there's yeah. a lot of crossover if anything they have greater resources to uphold those values absolutely so it's it's not really a terrible thing i'd say no and definitely listen to cutting the curd for a lot of those stories from small cheese makers um really rare window into the lives of a lot of these people that don't um aren't always very public facing so 
Cutting the Curd, wonderful program. Another wonderful program that we love here, of course, is Inside School Food, hosted by Laura Stanley, which, as its name implies, explores school food and issues of school food. Um, and this week was about the Childhood Nutrition Reauthorization Act. And Sarah, I know, I know that you enjoyed this clip. Yeah, so basically what's going on here is the CNR, the Childhood Nutrition Reauthorization Act. It's reauthorized. It's kind of reviewed every five years by Congress where they debate the funding levels, the ways to strengthen and improve the programs, and then they develop new policies for the future. And what's going on right now is that they were supposed to review it and have this go forth with it in 2015, um, but it's taking a little while. And um, Laura Stanley brings on a guest named Helena Botmiller-Evich, who wrote, who wrote a, an article in Politico this past week about kind of the lengthy process that the CNR is undergoing right now. Oh, you mean important legislation getting held up and uh, bureaucracy, really? I've yeah. never heard of anything like that before. It's so shocking. <laughs> well, let's take a little listen into the show and see what that conversation was like. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of Republicans in particular, uh, some Democrats as well, but mostly Republicans that are very concerned about uh, spending and they want offsets. So they, if you're going to spend money on, on one thing, you've got to find cuts somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And in the House, they do not, as far as I know, they do not yet have an estimate for how much their bill would cost. Uh, but if it costs a lot of money, uh, particularly for the breakfast reimbursement increase or something, they would most likely make tweaks to that because... Um, there's just no appetite for uh, that kind of increased spending. Um, there's really been a focus in Washington, uh, particularly with the Republican-controlled Congress, to rein in spending uh, mm-hmm. wherever possible. So that is the backdrop against which this bill is going to be considered if it indeed you know, does move forward. Uh, and it's important to remember that. I mean, when you have bipartisan agreement that you probably do need a higher reimbursement for meals, mm-hmm. but you can't get it because there's no money. I mean, that uh, that's just the reality, I think, that child nutrition programs are going to be in for some time. Well, and at Oof. the same time... Yeah, so it goes, huh? Right. It's rough. I mean, you, you hear about budget cuts, and obviously that's the reality for so many things, but here when it's concerning children being fed and for a lot of these kids a school a free school meal is the only meal they get all day and if they're going to cut that if they're going to limit their nutrition on that it's like there's an emotional aspect to that that you can't ignore no you got to figure out where the priorities lie absolutely um well again you know listen to inside school food for all of these issues laura digs very deep into all of the timely topics surrounding uh, how we're feeding our kids in school so keep up the good work laura and with that let's move into the breakdown Okay, welcome to The Breakdown on the Heritage Radio Network Week and Review. On the line right now, we have Courtney Delora, who is the Director of Communications for Sugarlands Distilling Company. They make really delicious moonshines. I've been on the network before. Really thrilled to have Courtney on now. Courtney, thanks for joining Sarah and I today. Hey, Courtney. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Absolutely. So we were put in touch actually by Julian Maha of an organization called Culture City, and they do really, really incredible work around autism awareness. Um, Courtney, how did Sugarlands get involved with Culture City and uh, in, in helping with their mission? 
Yeah, uh, Culture City actually applied um, for one of our Moonshare grants a couple years ago um, at Sugarlands Distilling Company. We have a nonprofit give back program called Moonshare, and so that's how that connection was made. And it's been amazing because we love supporting organizations that are really reaching out and creating positive change in communities all over the country, not just in their little small community or town. They're really helping people all over. And, you know, for us at Sugarlands, it's, it's really what we do. We're about the mountain way. We're about really helping our neighbors. And we really feel like our neighbors, it's a global community now. So we're really excited about that partnership. And it, it's been amazing. Very cool. And let's back up for a minute. I want to talk a little bit about what Sugarlands does. Um, you are located in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, right there in downtown Gatlinburg, right on the strip. Yeah, There's a large distillery. <laughs> and talk to me a little bit about some of the stuff that you're putting out there at the distillery. Yeah, so we we have uh, multiple moonshines, but we also distill whiskey, and it's just sitting in beautiful barrels waiting to be ready to share with friends. But right now we're distilling a lot of moonshine, and we're in distribution all over the country. So we have our Tennessee Sour Mash, which is your which is your classic uh, moonshine from the area. Won tons of awards with that, so we're really really proud of the product that we're releasing out to the country. And, and we see over a hundred thousand visitors to our distillery every year who come in and have a good time with us and listen to live music and sip on moonshine. And it's a really fun time there. And and we're so happy to welcome so many people from all over the country and world into the distillery for that experience, that true mountain Appalachian experience. What would you say is a common misconception people have about moonshine? Well, common misconception is that it tastes gross. I think that that's, I think what that's it's really, really strong and, and almost unenjoyable um, that it's, first off, that it's illegal, but of course we're, we're distilling it legal, but um, a lot of times moonshine is, you know, a one distillation, it passes through the still one time, um, the more moonshine they make, the more money they make, but we really take great pride. We distill our moonshine six times, so it's super, super smooth, um, and it's great, great to sip sip straight out of the jar, but it's also great to make cocktails with. But, yeah, the, the misconception is that it's not a serious spirit um, that can kind of stand the test of time uh, alongside other spirits, but we're changing that. We're winning tons of awards in blind taste testings where um, we're up against a, a lot of different spirits, and we're winning double golds for our Tennessee Sour Mash and our rye, um, our rye moonshine, so... Yeah. I'm really proud of it. I will say I have I have tried a, a pretty solid selection of your moonshines, and uh, I, I really did like the rye. The rye was very good. It's a yeah. very delicious product. Um, so April is the month in which you're running this Culture City campaign. What exactly does that mean? I, 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 you may have said it at the top. Are you donating 18 cents on every jar sold? Was that the the setup there? Yeah. So it's in. Um, we're in over 17 states. In distribution. So, amongst those states, we are donating 18 cents per jar of shine we sell um, out in the market to Culture City to help them fund their Life Box program. And we're really passionate about those Life Box getting in the hands of every family that needs them. And um, so, Julian and I partnered up and we decided we would donate. Uh, percentage of the proceeds through the month of April. And are you able to elaborate a little bit on what the life box is? 
Yeah, the life box is actually a detection device, so um, has a lot of information in the life box, but it, the child will wear that, and out when they move outside of a certain area or a certain range, um, parents and caregivers will be alerted, and it's helped save numerous lives from uh, children wandering into traffic or out into areas where there might be water that they could fall into, and it's just, um, we're really passionate Culture City has an amazing passion that matches our company for helping children, and um, the Life Box is just one of the many things they do that's amazing. And anybody that's listening in can go onto the Culture City website and donate um, to that Life Box campaign to help fund those for all the families that need them all over the country. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it may sound like an advertisement here, but it's really not. I can't stress just how cool Julie and Michelle and everybody at Culture City are and, like, what what amazing things they're doing. Um, in addition it's to the amazing. life boxes, yeah, I mean, they, they've been putting iPads in restaurants and uh, all kinds of sensory kits for autistic children who are dining at restaurants. And really, their whole mission is to spread awareness of autism and not looking for a cure, which is... Um, you know, I, I think more appropriate and um, can can lead to just more acceptance across the country and an understanding of what autism is and what families with autistic children are actually faced with. So it's very cool that you are all working together um, for, for this great cause. And Courtney, thank you so much for joining us today in the Week in Review and, and sharing a little bit about what you do and what Culture City does. So listeners, if you want to learn more about the moonshine, and it is delicious, and I do recommend you try some, that's sugarlandsdistilling.com. And to learn more about Culture City, that's Culture City, culture with a K, city.org as well. Courtney, anything else you wanted to add before we let you go? Yeah, I just wanted to say, if anybody listening in is looking for a jar, they can just go to findmoonshine.com, and that'll help them locate a jar closest to them so they can help support Culture City this month. Excellent. We'll do that, and uh, drink for a good cause always feels better. Courtney, thank you so much again for joining us, and we'll check in with you again sometime soon. Thanks so much. Have a great day. And you too. With that, listeners, we are going to close the show as we always do with some big ups. All right, we're on the home stretch here, the final bend. Sarah, how are you feeling? This is your, your first feeling? real like co-hosting. <laughs> feeling great. Feeling good. Yeah, you get you get used to this? Yeah, yeah. Could stay here for a while. Aaron, watch out. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Watch Aaron. out, Aaron. Well, as we always like to do, uh, we're going to close the show with big ups. This is where we like to big up. Really, uh, open format here. Anybody, anything. Um, I'm going to kick it off this week, and it, it may be obvious, but... You're going to take mine. Oh, uh, it, am it. I? You're doing it. Am I? Do it, do we it. We can both say it. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, this, this is such a, a larger-than-life human being slash alien that I'm sure it's fine for both of us to big ups, Prince. He's worthy of two big ups, I'd say. Absolutely worthy. Um, shocking news yesterday, really, out of left field. Yeah. I mean, like... Nobody saw that coming. The guy played a gig in Atlanta like last week, like two sets back to back. Right. Um, really just shocking. 57 years old. Um, obviously, everybody's heard the news. I don't know if you have a Prince story. Um, I have a few. I, <laughs> years and years <laughs> and years ago, um, I, I bought tickets to go to a Coachella way back when, like 2007, because um, Aphex Twin was playing, and Aphex Twin really rarely plays uh, 
at all, never mind in the States. So I was, you know, what was I in college? I was feeling sassy. I just bought the tickets. I was like, I'm going to go. My friends bailed. I was like, really? Everybody bailed and I bought tickets. So I ended up going alone, which was a big deal. Um, but then about a week before my flight to LA, they sent an email out to everybody that was like last minute edition prints. Oh damn. And we're like, what? Yeah. So really making me feel like that, that was one of the better decisions I've made in my life. And totally. I got to see Prince at Coachella. He, he covered creep by Radiohead. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've seen that. It was like, I, I can't think of a better band leader performer. It was really, it was just out of this world. Yeah. The kind of thing when it's over, you're like, now what? Like, right. Right. Yeah. His, um, his Super Bowl performance in the rain. Oh yeah. That was great. That's out of control. I mean, just coming in this morning, walking into Roberta's, and they're literally purple rain is like blasting. Like I feel like all of Bushwick can hear this, and I just like it was emotional. Right. I feel like it got me. Yeah. But it's a shame. No, I love that Super Bowl performance. I remember very well being uh, in Long Island with, <laughs> I don't know, what would you call them, jocks? I don't know. It was a <laughs> Super Bowl party, you know. So we're talking about football fans, and there were a lot of moans and groans. When there's like, oh, really? Prince is right, the halftime right. performer? What a like, you know, whatever. Insert slur. Yeah. Um, and then he shreds. Right. Like absolutely shreds, and all these dudes in the room were just like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, you know? in the pouring rain. Yeah, just out of this world. Um, and he was just so many things to so many different people. He wore yeah. so many different hats. And uh, he will be missed. Him and Bowie in the same year. That's For sure. some shit right there. Right. Well, that about does it. On that sad note, I think I'm going to go listen to some Prince. <laughs> I don't know about you. I'll but, be there. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to The Week in Review. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I hope you will tell us what you think. Get in touch with us on social media. We're Heritage underscore Radio on Twitter, Heritage Radio Network on Facebook. Give us a rating in iTunes. It can be a one. Just, like, you know, give us your reasons. We need some ratings, though. Anyway, we will see you next week, as we always do. I'm Jack Inslee here, executive producer, joined by... Sarah, I think. What was my title? I can't remember it now. Associate producer. Associate producer, officially. You got it. All right. Thanks so much, Sarah. Great job, and we'll see you all next week. Peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.